Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, and I'm joined alongside today Jonathan Hoppy for the first time this summer on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, the voice of the Central New York sports fan. Be sure to check us out online, orangefizz.net, also Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and iTunes, Orange Fizz, and be sure to subscribe and rate a five star on iTunes, on the Apple Podcast Center, or wherever you get your podcast. Jonathan, great to have you with us here on Fizz Radio for the first time this summer. I know you've been keeping busy this summer. You're really into college football, so we're going to get into a bunch of Syracuse college football stuff. You and I are going to be at ACC Media Day. That's coming up next week, right around the corner. I know both of us very excited for that next week. Tyler, my man, great to be back here. Great to be back on the Syracuse Airway. It's been a little bit, but guess what? The dog days of summer are here, which means it's a good thing because college football is right around the corner. And how cool is that that ACC kickoff is next week and then camp kicks off soon after that? It is time for Syracuse football. And in the past few years, hasn't been the best thing, but this year could be that make or break year for Dino Babers, Tyler. Yeah, so you're going to be, you live in Charlotte. I'm coming down to Charlotte. Before we even get into any football things, what are we going to do when we're not at ACC Media Kickoff? Well, Charlotte has a lot to offer. Now, you're a Chicago guy, so I've been telling you, it's not like Chicago. I went there for the first time when I was visiting Notre Dame. I made the short drive out west, and you Mm -hmm. know what? It's not like Chicago. It doesn't have, you know, any terrific food that's necessarily a staple of the city. So no barbecue or anything? Well, you know what? But even that's like Lexington, North Carolina, and it's not really Charlotte is the thing. We've got a little bit of everything, though. You know, that's what makes Charlotte so good is there's people from everywhere. There's food from everywhere, and there's really a lot to do. you got a ton of sports. We've got Carowinds, a huge amusement park. we got lakes. we got beaches close by, Tyler. That's what I say about Charlotte. It's got a little bit of everything, and you know the weather's always good. But this time of year, it's pretty hot, not going to lie. So don't, don't bring a jacket or anything. I don't... Imagine you've got yeah. to use that anyway. Wasn't wasn't planning on the jacket, but quick, three things that we're going to do when we're in Charlotte, when we're not covering football. Go. I think we're going to check out a Charlotte Knights game. I know everyone's Ooh. seen that, and that's a pretty good draw there. you got the beautiful skyline. Other than that— That's a White Sox I, affiliate too, right? That is the White Sox affiliate. Totally forgot yep. about that. See, I don't even care about the team. I just care about the skyline. <laughs> not actually. Is, is Eloy Jimenez down there right now? I think he's still here. I've he's seen still some there? home runs okay. that he's hit, and you know we had Moncada last year, so mm-hmm. not only Ooh, has the skyline been looking good, but there's some pretty good prospects. Other than that, I think we're going to have to go check out the lake. I know that you know I'm a big lake guy, so we yep. got to get up there. And the then, Hoppy Lake House is a big thing, by the way. That, that's like a big thing, and I'm really excited for that. It is a big deal. I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. And after that, I don't know. I guess we're talking about food a lot. I love food. Guess we got to go check out some food. So, and you mentioned barbecue. I've got a couple of spots in mind. You really can't go wrong with a number of places. So, we'll just be having fun covering some Syracuse football and eating some good food. How about that? Perfect. That sounds like the perfect week, week, half a week. But yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that. That's going to be next Wednesday and Thursday. So, be t- be sure to follow us everywhere online, orangefizz.net. 
Also, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, iTunes. You'll get all the latest content from Jonathan and I down in Charlotte at ACC Media Kickoff. Okay, so a couple of questions going into the Syracuse football season. Year three under Dino Babers. A lot of things starting to kind of fall into place. Almost feels like a make or break year. This is definitely the most promising Syracuse team, it feels like, going into the year. A lot of excitement and buzz around this program. Is this the bowl year? Is this not the bowl year? We're going to get all of that later on in, in next week. We're going to have a full Syracuse football preview pod. So that's coming up next week. But let's just hit on a couple of things that we're going to be focused on going into Media Day next week. First off that you brought to my attention is the safety questions. Now, you're all in on the fact that Antoine Cordy is not going to be playing safety next season. I'm I'm kind of still on the fence. I think he's going to see a good amount of time at safety next year and not as much as a slot receiver. What makes you think Cordy is a definitive on the offensive side of the ball? Well, you know what? I think it's interesting in the first place that they put him over on that offensive side of the ball. Now, we know the injuries that he's had, and, and you mentioned that freaks list earlier before we got on the podcast here. He is a freak. Everybody knows that. So wherever he plays, he is going to make some noise if he's healthy. Okay, that's right. the key is if he's healthy. You think about the secondary. You got Evan Foster back there potentially at a safety spot. You know, you got Scoop Bradshaw, Chris Frederick, all those guys who are returning. And then you've got that spot that opens up, and you might think of a guy – to come in there, there's some freshmen like Troy Williams, you've got Cisco, and you know what, you've got some guys that can come in and make some noise, but Antoine Cordy would be the logical guy to fill in that spot, because that's really where he was last year until he got hurt, I mean, was there are some other guys. Antoine Cordy was a pretty well-regarded safety going into the last year. I want to say he was a preseason All-ACC candidate, I may be wrong on that, but that for some reason that kind of comes to mind when I think Antoine Cordy... But the fact that it seems like he may move to the offensive side of the ball, again, I'm still skeptical, but if we're looking at the replacement plan, I think I've been blowing up Andre Sisco all summer long. I think he's going to be great. You look at what he did in the spring practices, the spring scrimmages, and all that stuff. He looks really good. He's got a nose for the ball, it seems like. He's going to be a freshman and rolled early. I'm excited about Andre Sisco. Trill Williams is kind of an underrated guy in this class, even though he's near the top in terms of skill. I think that Trill Williams is going to make some noise. It's just a matter of when exactly. But this could be a secondary that's all right. You just bring back a lot of pieces. So I'm excited for what Syracuse's defense is going to bring to the table. And again, it starts with the safety position. Well, Tyler, you talk about Antoine Cordy, and you say you thought that he was going to be a good safety or if he was all ACC preseason, whatever he was. But I think last year really brought that to be a question mark because once he went out, the Syracuse defense was pretty good. I think we saw it overachieve in a lot of ways. and then. But again, clearly... he only played, what, like not even 15 snaps? Exactly. So that begs the question, how good is he at safety? Because Jordan Martin came in and filled in pretty nicely. And you're not really going to be able to fill the void of an all-ACC preseason guy like you were mentioning. So that's what tells me, all right, maybe Cordy's not quite as good of a safety. He's a freak athlete. But the fact that Babers moved him away from safety in the preseason, the spring depth chart, that has to raise your eyebrow a little bit, and now that makes me believe that somebody else is going to take over that spot alongside Evan Foster. 
All right, so that, that those are the thoughts on defense. So again, we're going to keep it brief on defense. Everyone cares about the offense. We'll get to that in just a second. You're listening to Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki, Jonathan Hoppy, talking some SU football preview. What we're watching for heading into ACC Media kickoff next week down in Charlotte. And I know you've been all over this right now. It's the offensive line for Syracuse. You're really high on what this offensive line can bring. Again, the big piece that kind of comes in, a couple of big pieces actually. But first, it's Coda Martin, a graduate transfer from Texas A&M started a good amount of games down at A&M for the Aggies and he's the son of uh, coach Martin Kirk Martin who's now the quarterback's coach and is also the son-in-law of Dino Babers so uh, again just the, all the family ties kind of falling together and helping out the orange he was a guy who he's going to be a glue guy it seems like on this offensive line and again this offensive line if you remember last year Whenever those pro football focus, all ACC teams of the week came out, you usually saw a name or two from the Syracuse offensive line on there. A lot of Cody Conway, Jamar McGloster. Um, I'm, I'm missing a name too um, that, that's evading me right now. But I just think that this offensive line, you're bringing back so many pieces and you're adding so much talent with Martin, and then you also have a four-star in Kadir White coming in. This could be the absolute strong suit of this offense, and that's what's going to make it click in 2018. Well, one thing's for sure. This is the best offensive line that Dino Babers has ever had. You go to last year, you go to two years before that, the offensive line position was probably the worst of the whole team. And now you look at it as a bit of a strength. You know, you've got Cody Conway on the left side, who you were talking about. All right, you lose McGloster. That's a big loss. You talk about him showing up in those ratings and everything. He was a strong part of the Syracuse offense. He's gone. Who are you going to replace him with? Coda Martin, a guy who's played SEC caliber football at Texas A&M. He's had his ups and downs, so not necessarily a stud that's going to come in, but he has the potential to be one, and he's probably better than anything that Syracuse had. And here's why, because it was really going to shuffle things up. Now you're going to have Aaron Service back at center, Sam Heckle and Aaron Roberts. Sam Heckle's the, the name that I've been that's been going over my head. He's another one that's always been on those PFF teams. So yeah, continue. You're right, and that's the thing is, if Coda Martin was not here, there was going to be a lot of question marks to the Syracuse offensive line. Who was going to play right tackle? I know they had Aaron Service out there a few times in the spring, and that put Sam Heckle in a weird spot. I think he was lining up at center. So sort of the domino effect of not having that tackle was going to hurt this team. Now you get guys in their positions that they know how to play. And Tyler, the question becomes, do Mo Neal and Dante Strickland finally have a breakout season? Does one of them get over 1,000 yards, even sniff that really? That's what I'm watching because if that happens, this could be a two-way offense. We haven't really seen that with Dino Babers at Syracuse, and that could be really scary. Yeah, here, before we get to the whole offensive line affecting the run game, I want to throw in one more quick point about the offensive line. And it's really kind of the reason why Eric Dungy hasn't been healthy. I know everyone thinks there's almost this misnomer out there that Eric Dungy, because he's a, a a running quarterback, that that's the reason why he's so injury prone. Well, when you look at it, he's actually getting hurt on the plays where he's not being protected and where he tries to be a pocket passer or is rolling out and just gets absolutely demolished by a defensive lineman. That's where Eric Dungy is suffering these injuries, and that's where the misnomer comes in 
that he's getting hurt because he's running the football. Yes, you're putting your body at risk and you're putting it on the line when you run the football, but that's not where Eric Dungy's getting hurt. And, and just the fact that you're going to have a beefed up offensive line, a lot more talent in the trenches, I think that's going to keep Dungy upright and I think that's why he's going to have a healthy season this year. You know what, that's a good argument because this Syracuse offensive line is experienced and it hasn't been in the past, and that's made Dungy look bad, like you're talking about it. Now, you know, I think it's a bit of a two-way street in terms of how Dungy plays. You know, that's going to warrant some big hits. That's going to warrant some injuries at times, but now you get this offensive line. The hope is that Dungy can maybe stay in the pocket a little bit more and showcase what he's got in between the tackles because now he's not going to be forced out to run, so... As every football fan knows, literally any way you slice it, having a good offensive line is a great thing for Syracuse, and that's what they should have this year, barring any significant injuries in preseason or early on. All right, I know you want to talk about wide receivers. Hold those thoughts real quick. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to get into some of the skill positions of what we're looking for at ACC Media Kickoff. And we're also going to go over some other odds and ends of SU football. Some, there are some pretty cool notes throughout the week, so we'll get to all that and a little bit more. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, back here on Fizz Radio, score 12-60, Tyler Aki. I got Jonathan Hoppy with me this week on the voice of the Central New York sports fan. We've got you here until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning, giving you a little football preview. We just wrapped up a little bit of conversation. Actually, we didn't wrap it up. We left it a little open-ended. But just kind of, we're going down to ACC media kickoff next week what to expect defensively, then we got into O-line. Now we want to get into some of the skill positions before we go over some odds and ends with Syracuse football from the week. So the big one that you like to talk about, Jonathan, is how this offensive line is going to translate to helping out these other areas on the offense. So obviously the guys in the trenches don't get all the credit that they deserve. The old adage is, you're a good offensive line if you never hear your name called during a game. So with that in mind, I think that this is going to help the offense in terms of keeping Eric Dungy upright, but you're more in on this kind of running back phenomenon and what could happen in the run game and kind of making Syracuse a more two-dimensional team in 2018. That's right, because when you think about people analyzing football, usually... If the run game isn't working, it's all on the five guys up front. Now, we might find this year that that's not the case and that Dante Strickland is really as vanilla as we think he is. We could find that out. Or we could see Strickland break out and be that downhill back that Syracuse so desperately needs and Mo Neal could get hot in the screen game. So it really could go one of two ways. The line has been so bad in the past years that it's really tough to assess Strickland and Neal. But now with the protection and the pass, blo- the rush blocking they're going to have, now is when we see what these guys are made of because they've been taking a lot of heat. You know as well as I do, everyone listening knows that Dante Strickland is almost like a scapegoat of this offense. Yeah. Because sometimes mm-hmm. they just hand him the ball and he goes five yards. No, sorry, five yards is a lot. <laughs> it's a little generous. That's wishful thinking. He gets stopped right at the line of scrimmage, maybe picks up a yard, and it slows down the offense slows down everything what the heck is this guy doing but this is the year we find out in his final season with Syracuse can Strickland finally be that guy to be the downhill runner because I think everyone agrees Tyler that if you get Mo Neal out in space 
he's going to make plays and he's going to get towards the other team's end zone. Yeah, the thing with me at the running back position is I've always been more on the Mo Neal side and Dante Strickland actually played pretty well towards the end of the year before he got banged up with some injuries. You remember the Clemson game? I thought he played pretty well and was a big part of that fourth quarter, especially. especially. And then he also got the team on the board with a nice little screen catch. But Mo Neal, this is a huge year for him. Because keep in mind what's coming in 2019. It's Abdul Adams. And the fact that you're almost playing for your job or otherwise you might I mean we've been looking these past couple of years and been hearing oh Mo Neal's about to move to slot receiver he might actually have to move to slot receiver in 2019 because Abdul Adams is just going to take that position by storm again former four-star recruit also uh, he's an Oklahoma transfer so you know he's played in big games he's been around big time talent he I mean he played with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft this past season you know he's got something on him, and he's seen successful football. So Mo Neal, this is a huge year for him, and I think he's really going to break away and kind of take this by the horns and really run with it in 2018 because we saw the spurts out of him. He had more rushing yards last year than Dante Strickland, and he had way less opportunity to do so. Well, you could take that one of two ways, Tyler, because I think Mo Neal might actually be best suited for the slot position in Dino Babers offense because remember last season when Dino tried to do that well it didn't work out and people thought why not and I think the reason was Strickland's just not that good and he can't be relied upon to be the feature back of this team so you got to get a little change of pace in there with Mo Neal and quickly I want to talk about Adams who you touched on just another reason to be excited about this Syracuse team. And I'm not someone who's been singing this program's praises for the past few years, but now I am starting to see the return of Dino Babers. There's depth in this program all of a sudden. The pipeline is coming in. Dino's getting his guys. The recruits are getting better. And we talk about the offensive line. You mentioned Kadir White. That's someone who's going to come in and take over. They almost had Tyrone Sampson, who really would have completed the next this freshman class of offensive linemen. So there is depth both in the transfer world, like Coda Martin and Abdul Adams, and then you've also got the recruits. So we are talking about these guys now, but there's other guys that are going to come in and take over, and that's not something we could have said last year or two years ago. Yeah, certainly going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to what 2019 brings for Syracuse football. Again, 2018 is kind of going to be that stepping stone. Maybe you get to the bowl game in 2018. I know you and I both think this is a 6-6 and team, but... This is going to be the one that gets you to the bowl game. Now, next season is going to be the one that gets you over the top. You're going to bring in these four-star guys, and who knows where it's going to bring you on the recruiting trail as well. Um, But it's certainly going to be a a turning point, and I think we're really starting to see this right now in this Syracuse football program. You're listening to Fizz Radio, score 1260. Tyler Aki, got Jonathan Hoppy with me here on the Voice of the Central New York Sports Fan here till 10 o'clock. On this Saturday morning, talking some SU football for 2018. Again, ACC media kickoff right around the corner. That's coming up next Wednesday and Thursday. Jonathan and I will be down in Charlotte giving you all the latest and greatest from down south. So be sure to follow us online, orangefizz.net. And on Twitter, at OrangeFizz, we'll also be pumping out some podcasts and another Fizz Radio live on site in Charlotte. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts and drop us a five-star rating. Okay, a couple other news and notes that came out about Syracuse football this week. First off is the ACC odds. Again, 
neither you nor I are expecting this team to compete for an ACC title this year. And if you are, you're out of your mind. Syracuse <laughs> currently listed at 100-1. to 1. That's tied for the second worst along with North Carolina, a team that is on Syracuse's 2018 schedule. The only team in the ACC that had worse was Virginia at 300-1. to 1. Virginia actually coming off a decent game, they, or a decent year rather. They got to a bowl in 2017. Syracuse, though, second worst odds, as I mentioned, along with Pitt and North Carolina. That seems about right. Um, again, it's going to be another tough ACC. And then when you look at the Atlantic Division itself, Syracuse with the worst odds there at 40 to one. Um, that's well behind Boston College at 30 to one, Wake Forest 24 to one, NC State and Louisville each at 20 to one. Florida State at seven to one, and then Clemson at four to fifteen. All of this came out according to Bovada, um, but I, I will say this: Boston College seems a little low at thirty to one to win the Atlantic. Not that they're going to win the Atlantic, but they showed me some things last year that made me think they're a pretty promising team down the future. AJ Dillon at running back, one of the best freshmen in the country. Anyways, that's a little side tangent for another day when we do our full ACC preview, but. Again, neither you or I expect this team to win the division, expect this team to even compete for a conference championship this season. I want to get more into when exactly, and we'll hit on this a little more in Fizz Feedback just so we can get to some other news and notes from around Syracuse football from the week. But I, I don't see this team competing for a, cha- for a conference and a division title. I'd give it at least three years, at least three. I don't know where you stand on this. This is how I look at it. There's two camps of this. You either think that Syracuse is going to be competitive in the ACC in the next three to five years, or frankly, you're not sure if it's ever going to happen. And that sounds ridiculous, but what we've seen in the ACC is it's clear that Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech, they're in a league of their own. Then you look at the teams who are Mm -hmm. slightly above Syracuse to get the odds. 60-1 to odds for Boston College, Georgia Tech, Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest. And then 100 to 1, Duke, UNC, Pittsburgh, Syracuse. So, what I'm looking at is the teams above Syracuse to win the ACC in the minds of Vegas. Well, you got Wake Forest, NC State, and Boston College, who are all ahead of Syracuse in that rebuild sort of process. Duke sitting there stagnant like they've been really the past few years. And then UNC is like a freaking roller coaster. We'll see if they can <laughs> able to get back up that hill this year. And then you got Pittsburgh, too. So there's a ton of teams. We talk about this all the time. There's a ton of teams backed up in that third to fourth tier of the ACC. And it's tough to get out of the third tier. So I can't sit here and confidently say that I think in three to five years that Syracuse will be competing for the ACC. Because there's so many things that happen with college football. Is it realistic to think that Dino Babers stays here for the next five to seven seasons? Right. Uh, it's realistic, but is it going to happen? And that's the sort of thing that you need, and you got to get a couple of big-time recruits. And Syracuse has had some decent recruits, but they're still not at that level of, wow, they're getting some of the best recruits in the ACC. Once you sort of break into that territory that the top four in the ACC has right now, then you've got a shot. You know, Virginia Tech, they're competing, but I don't think anyone expects them to win the ACC. So it's just going to be one of those things that we've got to monitor. How far does Syracuse climb and how fast does it happen? Because it could happen in three years or it might just, 
you know, fizzle out. We might get another coach come in and be talking about this all over again in five years. That's just how college football works, frankly. So here's the way I kind of see it is in three years, you're not going to be competing. That's when you may be competing for one. It's going to take at least three years, and here's why. Again, you mentioned the Clemsons, the Virginia Techs, the Louisvilles, the Florida States. They're kind of in a league of their own right now. But with Dino Babers, and again, with all the college football coaching turnover, in three years, if you're not a destination program, you've set yourself back another five years. Because then you got to start talking coaching change. And the thing about it is three years, if you start to become a destination program, then maybe Dino's on his way out trying to go for greener pastures, maybe go to the SEC, maybe go to a bigger Power 5 school that values football a little more. And along with that, then you have a coaching turnover. You don't know exactly who you're going to bring in. You're probably going to do the same thing you did with Dino Babers where you bring in a younger guy who was succeeding at a a mid-major type program. So that's why I think it's going to be really tough that unless you turn Syracuse into a destination program and Dino Babers stays, it's really going to be tough to compete for a conference championship, let alone a division championship, when you have Clemson in your own division. That's the thing about it is that there's 14 teams in the ACC, seven in the Atlantic, seven in the Coastal. Well, guess how many teams in each division have a realistic shot at getting to Charlotte where we are going for the ACC championship game? No more than two. Clemson, that's, you know, that's the favorite. Odds are they will be there for the Atlantic division. The odds are very high. Then you've got Florida State, who maybe is in a bit of a rebuild. I like what Willie Taggart's doing. I think they could be better than expected this season, but still not as good as Clemson, obviously. And then you go to the Coastal, and you've got two more teams, Miami and Virginia Tech. And I think a lot of people would be surprised if it wasn't Miami and Clemson meeting for the ACC title in December. That's just kind of how I look at it. And it sucks to sit here and say, I'm not sure if it'll ever happen. But for me to sit down and say that in three to five years, Syracuse will be among the best odds to win the ACC. And like you said, it, they might be up a couple of categories. You know, I'd like to see them included in that 60 to one range as opposed to 100 to one. Good thing they're not 300 to one. Yeah. But if you can get there, then you've got a shot. Because yeah. then all it takes is a few recruits and a couple of different things to happen. And, and, and one of the things, too, Tyler, I want to touch on this really quickly. All these big facilities that are being built for these college football players. You've got Miami. Mark Rick put in a million of his own dollars to build this facility that I think is around 10 or $15 million. That's stuff that Syracuse just can't compete with. They just can't do it. And to boot, the weather is much worse than it is, not in all the cities, but in pretty much all of these ACC cities. So until you see a lot of that change, it's going to be tough for Syracuse to draw the best recruits in the ACC. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that real quick. A perfect example of that, and it happened in my own backyard here in Chicago at Northwestern. They've built this beautiful new facility, Ryan Fieldhouse. If you haven't seen it yet, check it out. It's pretty much a glass fieldhouse right on Lake Michigan. Absolutely gorgeous. That is like million-dollar real estate right there to even have that property itself, let alone build a beautiful new field house on top of it. But look what happened with Hunter Hunter Johnson, the Clemson transfer. He was going, he was evaluating his options. Five-star quarterback, again, kind of displaced because of what's happening in Clemson. You got Kelly Bryant in front of you. You got Trevor Lawrence, who's probably going to surpass you too, even though you're a five-star guy. 
but he's looking at his options. He sees Purdue. He sees Northwestern. Boom, you take him to Ryan Fieldhouse. Done. You're sold. It's over. Okay. Guess what? Another guy who did that, Dabo Sweeney down at Clemson. That's right. what kickstarted that system is because Clemson put in a ton of money to the football program, and it has paid off in huge ways. People don't understand how much a good football team does for your program. So Syracuse, as we know, the facilities, maybe not the best. You're renovating the Carrier Dome. Really what it comes down to is you've got to get a facility for the football team, and it can be all-purpose. And, and, and we've seen it on campus. The gym, the Archibald Gymnasium, is being upgraded. It wasn't very nice. Now they're turning it into what all these other big Power 5 school ha- schools have. You know, you go to tour Syracuse as a school, they don't really take you through that. You go to Ohio State, a school like that, they're going to take you to their rec center. So it starts there, but now if you want to get those big recruits, you're going to have to build something a little bit nicer than Manly Fieldhouse. And, and that's not a crack on Manly Fieldhouse or any of those tools. Or the Ensley Center, has. too. Ensley Center is pretty nice. Right. That, that's what they're working with. But you know what? It's tough to compete with these huge schools and the money that they are pumping into the football program. And football second at Syracuse. That's not the case in some of these other ACC schools. And, and it's not just that football second. Football is a clear second. Like, there is a massive step between basketball and football. Massive. Absolutely huge. Um, real quick, because we're running up against the clock, I got three SU stories. You're going to tell me which one you think is the, the the one that caught your eye the most from this past week. First, wide receiver transfer from Michigan State, Tristan Jackson, wants to walk onto the basketball team. ESPN calls Antoine Cordy one of the 50 freaks of college football, and Chris Slayton squatted 670 pounds. 670! And ESPN was tweeting about it because the Syracuse weight room was going crazy. Which one sticks out the most to you? Well, just another day in the office for big Chris Slayton, so I just kind of brushed out what just passed my Twitter feed. Antoine Cordy, we know what he is, but this Jackson kid, that really caught my eye because... It's interesting. So it's sort of one of those things is what's actually going to happen? Is this a legit possibility? And that's what I've got my eye on because that could have big ramifications for the program. I mean, that's that's got to catch your eye. I'm sure it did. Yeah, that was the one that stuck out the most to me too because it's not just that he's walking, he wants to walk on, but he's like the fifth guy from the Syracuse football program that wants to walk on. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? It's Babers, man. People want to play for that guy. And as much as the – no wins after the bye and the struggles on the road, it's still early in this process. And Dino Babers has created an environment where kids want to play. They might not want to go to the weather or the not-so-great facilities compared to other schools, but Dino Babers is a huge asset for this football program. He calls his team basketball on turf, and I think they're starting to take it a little too literally. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some actual basketball. Not on turf this time, though. It's Fizz Radio. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Fizz Radio rolling along here on the score 1260. Tyler Aki alongside Jonathan Hoppy. Got you here till 10 o'clock on this Saturday. So we just wrapped up a ton of football stuff. You missed any of it, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You'll get anything you missed from Fizz Radio as well as the Fizzcast, which will be live from Charlotte next week. So any SU fans in the Charlotte area want to come say hi, be sure to stop by, see Jonathan and I down in Charlotte. We're going to be doing a lot of Syracuse football talk live from ACC Media Kickoff, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That's all coming up next week. Anyways, 
NBA Summer League in full effect. I want to start talking a little bit about some of the SU guys and what they're doing. I wrote a piece on orangefizz.net earlier in the week about how everyone's kind of doing in Summer League. Malachi Richardson, no doubt, has been the best so far. Surprisingly, number two, though, is Chris McCullough, Tyler Lydon, and then Andrew White III and Michael Benajay really aren't seeing the floor a lot. So... That being said, and I've said this, I, I believe it was last week I said this, that Malachi Richardson, this kind of has to be his make or break summer because, again, now you're entering year three. A lot of questions as to whether or not you should have actually left college after your freshman year, even though I always err on the side of you should go when you're a first-round pick. doesn't matter where it is because you're probably going to drop next year. But... Richardson really lighting it up, and he's showing he can shoot from three. And this kind of begs the question now, of all these five Syracuse guys playing in the Summer League, who's going to have the best NBA career? Because it seems like a lot of G-leaguers, at least up until this summer, it seemed like these five guys were going to kind of be G-leaguers for life. I've always thought Malachi Richardson was special, Tyler. Watching him in that run to the Final Four, I thought he was a guy that was going to come out and be a bit more productive in the NBA to start with Sacramento. Clearly that didn't pan out. Now he's with the Toronto Raptors. I think he could make some noise in the right situation because that's what I looked at when Tyus Battle was thinking about leaving or staying this year. I just didn't think he had that it factor that Malachi Richardson had, which made me think that Richardson was ready for the NBA. I know a lot of people thought he left too early. I thought it was the right choice for him to go out at the right time when the stakes were best for him and when his value was going to be the most. Didn't quite pan out, but... Then again, what does pan out in Sacramento? So that's for me, Malachi <laughs> Richardson is going to be the guy to watch. And Chris McCullough has been a pleasant surprise. And Tyler Light, someone that I really don't see playing a ton in the NBA, put up some decent numbers in summer league, almost nine rebounds and five, nine points rather and five rebounds. So that's somebody to watch. And then Andrew White continues to try to scrap and claw his way into some sort of role in this league. Yeah, so for me... With Malachi Richardson, especially now, you're hearing all these Kawhi Leonard rumors that Toronto has apparently offered some King's Ransom for him, which includes DeMar DeRozan, and that opens up the shooting guard spot. And this is a Toronto team that's kind of, could be in turmoil and a lot of changeover these next couple of years. Is that how Malachi Richardson is going to move into the starting lineup and maybe make a name for himself in the NBA? The time is now. The Summer League is now, and that's how you're going to kind of take that next step. Step, Prove you can dominate at the Summer League level, then make a name for yourself in training camp, and then say Toronto deals for Kawhi Leonard, boom, there's your opportunity. It's served up to you on a platter that an all-star caliber shooting guard is on his way out, and now there's an open starting spot. Not just a starting spot, but maybe a, a chance to move yourself into the rotation as a bench guy. And that's going to be huge for him. Uh, one more thing I want to hit on about some of these guys. Andrew White the third is not getting any playing time, and that's kind of alarming to me because, listen, I, I don't have any of those guys' game logs up from uh, of the five guys that are playing in the Summer League, but of their NBA games, I would guess Andrew White's probably scored the most points in a game. I remember his first game, he had like 15 or 17 points, and... I, I just think he's kind of stuck in a crappy situation right now because he's behind Keita Bates-Diop, who is pretty much a younger and a little bit better version of Andrew White the third. So kind of a crappy situation for a guy like Andrew White, even though 
he probably should be getting more of a chance because he's shown that he can do something on the NBA level. He has shown that, and I mentioned scrapping and clawing. That's what Andrew White's going to have to do because playing with Minnesota, he's not getting much playing time, and he's someone, I say he, I really think all these players need a lot of playing time to get comfortable in a system and show what they can do, but the reality of it is that's not going to be the case. There's only so many spots to go around, and unfortunately for White with Minnesota, he's one of those guys that's sort of just out of the loop. All right, we'll wrap this thing up on the other side. Fizz feedback on the way. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, only got a couple minutes left here on Fizz Radio. Tyler Rocky, Jonathan Hoppy with you on the score 1260. Threw out some questions on our Twitter account at Orange Fizz. If you don't follow it already, please go give it one and check out all the content we produce there. Um, but every week we do Fizz feedback, a couple of polls out. So the first question I posed. Syracuse football's odds to win the ACC are currently 100 to 1. How many years until the Orange is a threat to win the conference? 1 to 3, 3 to 5, 5 to 9, or a decade or more? Here's how everyone in Fizz Nation is seeing this. 10 plus in the the driver's seat at 32%. That's followed by 3 to 5, 1 to 3 at 23%, and 5 to 9 at 15%. I heard a yikes out of you right there. But. It's kind of tough to disagree with that because if it's not three to five, it's going to be ten plus. And you and no, I kind of right. went over it's that. The theory I was just talking about, and I'm just surprised that these Syracuse fans think ten plus because if you look at it, that's probably the sad reality of the situation. But that three to five window is also there with the glimmer of hope. But it's one of those two. It's going to be three to five. They maybe find themselves in a Virginia Tech-like situation and hopefully sustain that. But let's not make light of that. I mean, Virginia Tech, you know, they've been doing that for a long time. And you go back to Frank Beamer and all that. So it's going to be tough. I mean, I'm a bit surprised. The poll actually just moved dead even, 31%, three to five, 31%, 10 plus. So People are split between really the only two logical answers. Yeah, and the thing is, though, is I put is a threat to win. I'm not saying they're going to win, so maybe some people misinterpreted that a little bit. They, they could maybe be a threat to win. And by threat, I mean you're top four in the conference. Right? right. Is that fair? And that's, I mean, out of 14 teams, that, that's steep. That, that is steep. Yeah. But if you're in at least the top four of the Atlantic, then you give your, yourself a chance to somehow wiggle your way into the ACC title game, and then clearly you've got a shot to win it all. All right, last one I put out there. Which former Syracuse player currently in the Summer League is going to have the best career? Is it going to be Malachi Richardson, Tyler Lydon, Chris McCullough, or Andrew White slash Michael Benajay? I had to group those two up because... You only get four chances or four options on Twitter polls. And I probably should have grouped McCullough and Benajay because McCullough's been in the league for a while. Um, way out in front is Tyler Lydon at 59%. He's followed by Malachi Richardson at 23%. And then McCullough and the combination of White Benajay at 9% apiece. We also got a response on this one from Maxwell Smart. He says, I believe there is a spot in the league for a shooter like Andrew White. I agree with that. I also kind of agree with why. The, the fans think it's Tyler Lydon because, again, we're in that stretch four era right now in the NBA. So Tyler Lydon 
it, it kind of has that opportunity for him. And also the fact that he, he really hasn't had a chance to disappoint quite yet because he was injured yeah. last year. So that's probably another reason why. Yeah, it's a bit of recency bias because Tyler Lydon just in his second year as an NBA player, and like you said, didn't get to see him much last year. So a lot of people still see that potential, whereas Malachi Richardson has had a lot more time to disappoint some fans. But keep in mind this resurgent summer, and hopefully for him, translates into the fall and winter. All right, Jonathan, I will see you next week down in Charlotte. Tuesday night I get in, so we'll spend a couple hours together then, and then all the fun starts Wednesday and Thursday for ACC Media Kickoff. Can't wait for it. Can't wait. We're going to have a lot of fun. Keep it locked on Twitter, Orange Biz. It's going to be a Charlotte takeover on the Twitter page, so I hope you enjoy, and we'll talk to you then. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Fizz Radio. We'll see you next week on The Score 1260.